that's Herb Alpert in the Tijuana Brass. I'm Meg Rowley. And on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, I welcome back to the program Fangraphs prospect analyst Kylie McDaniel. For the second year in a row, Kylie was responsible for compiling the trade value series, a look at how the industry values various players relative to one another as trade trips. We discuss Kylie's process for generating that list, a few players he expects to move into and out of the top 50 next year, the most difficult guys to place on this year's iteration, and the curious case of Wander Franco. We also discuss various summer spritzes we enjoy, and I express my horror and delight at the trailer for the upcoming movie musical, Cats. All of that is coming up, but first it is my obligation to tell you that Fangraphs memberships are now available at Fangraphs.com. For the monthly cost of one subpar Aperol spritz, you can support all the great work at Fangraphs, including Kylie and Eric Long and Hagen's prospect coverage, Jay Jaffe's upcoming Replacement Level Killers series, Sungmin Kim's coverage of the KBO, and more trade deadline coverage than you can stand. You may also, for a slightly greater sum, purchase an ad-free membership and enjoy Fangraphs without banner ads, facilitating faster loading times. That bit of business being complete, I take you to my conversation with Kylie McDaniel, Fangraphs prospect analyst, which begins right now. recording now what's your hot take Kylie? Right, here's my hot take uh not into cats as pets or animals Aww. and could not be less into cats as a musical or, or movie i okay so i swear you know david is listening to this and like oh god they're gonna do their lifestyle podcast i told them not to ah oh, dylan i did a swear we're really off the rails already i will briefly say the following which is that i am not a fan generally of Andrew Lloyd Webber. He's not to my taste. His uh I think his musicals are often quite gauche. Uh and I think that Cats is his least good musical, but I am very excited for people to learn the plot of Cats, which I could would describe as uh like a a cat-based death cult. I'm not wrong. I have no idea what it is, so I'm, I'm now learning for the first time. It, don't worry about it. It's going to be great. And so while I hate cats, I am fascinated by how bad this trailer looks. And It looks really bad. Like it, It's almost yeah. like they tried to find the dial of things Kylie doesn't like and just like they ripped it off. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about it, even though it's going to be terrible, because I imagine there will be no no other people in the theater if I go to see it. And so I might just like find a pal and have some beers and then perhaps uh, just like Mystery Science Theater 3000 Cats Live. So we're looking forward to that. It sounds I know like that, a live podcast. I know that very little in that sentence made, uh, made sense to you, Kylie, and I'm just here to tell you that it's fine and you shouldn't worry about it. I know enough about that thing to be it's the thing with the silhouette of the guy's head yeah. that yell at the screen. I know that exists. Yeah, so that's not why we're here, though. We're not here to talk about cats. Uh, we're here, real we're here or- to talk about things I've been grilling in my new kitchen. <laughs> we can talk about that as dessert for our main topic, which is uh, the trade value series, which by the time this podcast goes up, will have concluded at fangrass.com. You will have fulfilled your obligation to the trade value series, at least for 2019. And so we're going to talk about that because uh, it's a you know it's a weighty exercise. You haven't been sleeping very much. I've been sleeping, I think, slightly more, but still not a lot. And so I, uh, I have found that when you say you're going to edit something first thing, I worry that you're going to be doing that. Sorry, Scott's drinking water. 
Uh, I worry that that means that on the West Coast, you're going to be up before I'm up on the East Coast. And then when I find out that's not the case, I'm like, oh, Meg's being more healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, six o'clock. That's a reasonable time to be awake. So you have had to take on this this weighty responsibility from Dave Cameron, who turned into a padre. And this is the second year that you have done the trade value series. And we'll get into some of the specific guys and, and whatnot. But I think it is useful for people, you know, maybe who skimmed your introduction and didn't pay super close attention. So 90% for, of readers. Right. For you to talk a little bit about the process you go through when you're compiling these, because we don't have to reveal um, specific rank changes, but I saw the first draft of this list, and then I have seen the last draft of it, and they're very different lists. <laughs> yeah. So what do you, what do you, how do you vet this, Kylie? What's your, pro- talk, talk about your process. <laughs> uh, well, I start, I start with the, with the notebook, and then I, and then I go work out the trade value rankings on stage. And then uh, you listen to the soundtrack of Cats. Yeah, and then, and then and then once I've got an hour, I have to record it, or else then you know I'm going to overdo it. Sure. Um, this is in keeping with the on ump that Eric and I just are constantly making jokes about how comedians talk about their art and how they talk about their upcoming dates uh, and how good a room is because I guess those are the only podcasts we listen to. Yeah. So it's funny because last year, my first time doing it, I know I Acuna was seventeenth, and he mm-hmm. was in that range where it was like. Him, Glaber Torres, who was having a big rookie season, Juan Soto, who was having a big rookie season, Fly Jr., who hadn't come up yet. Right. And it was like all those like promising dudes that hadn't done much, but were sort of tippy-top prospects. We're all in the same kind of group. I think Albies was in there, too. Tippy-top. Up in the tippy-top. A surprising amount of people laugh at me when I use that term, but I'm going to keep using it. So those guys were all lumped together. And I felt like for the next month, maybe two months after the list, I had a really good handle on like... Oh, Acuna, let me, okay, this is what he's done the last two weeks since the list went up. All right, he was 17th. He'd probably be like 11th right now. Like, I didn't right. go through the whole exercise, but like, I feel like I could have done like sort of live updates of moving guys around. Sure. Which, I don't know, I guess it wouldn't be great for traffic, but it may be, may be useful for us to do something like that. Yeah. A, a version of the board for trade value. I don't know. I'll file that away. I haven't thought about that before. Poor Sean. But then once we get into like the, uh, like the off season, off season, especially like the first month of the year, I just kind of lose track of like, oh, Bellinger's really good now. Was he like ninth or 50th on the list? I have no right. idea where he was. <laughs> like, and that's why when I'm starting to put the list together, when you, you know, 11 months out from the last list, there are like Shane Bieber, like was, is not on my mind. I started setting the list around without having gone through every team because I just want to sure. get people to move some names around. And I would, you know, Austin Meadows and Shane Bieber, some of these under the radar guys that have been good, get kind of thrown on toward the end. And I'm just like, oh yeah, maybe I should just keep track of this 12 months out of the year so that the first list I send out to people is like a little more effective. Right. And, and, you know, it isn't just the performance based stuff that tends to alter these guys. Like you've talked not only about the years of control, but we saw this rash of extensions. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad way to put that. Maybe. (laughs) Need to put an ointment on all those extensions. Terrible over the off season. So the contract status of a lot of these dudes shifted in ways that made it, you know, that's, that moved some of them down, but, ultimately didn't end up affecting too many of them if anything it increased the predictability of what they would be as trade yeah, four chips of, four of the top eight signed new contracts like right. february march right 
Right. So uh, people will know what our top 10 is by the time this goes up. So, you know, we can go through this list. Uh, Acuna signed an extension. Tatis started the year in the majors, which is not uh, an extension, but it's just like a, you know, thing that we know about him now. Trout it, did, it did change his status, though, because I mean, sure. ideally, right. should have kept him down if we're going to be cynical for two weeks and then he would have right. an extra year and like right. he would be a little closer to being number one if he did that. Right. Trout obviously signed his mega deal, but is still Trout, so it didn't matter. Uh, Bellinger just like became one of the best players in baseball. Turns out when you just stop offering at that like back foot breaking ball, you're a lot better at stuff. Bregman signed an extension. Soto did not. Yelich is still on a deal that feels real friendly given how good he is. Albie signed an extension that should be against the law. <laughs> I think is the official editorial position of Fangraphs.com. Chapman remains good, but pre-arb. So, you know, he moved up because he was good, but like the contract didn't shift things around too much. Although maybe it did, maybe I'm wrong. And then, you know, Vlad is still probably going to be really good at hitting baseballs. So. And and I think another interesting one who I think was unique was number 19, uh, Xander Bogertz. He was not on last year's list because he was an expiring contract or right. maybe it was a year and a half. Which right. this year, I think uh, Mookie Betts just missed the list. So obviously, Alexander Bogarts last year with the same amount of control would have missed the list. And he got like, what was it, $120 million, uh, guaranteed? Like yep. And and he moved up like 50 spots. <laughs> like it was, yep. It's kind of unusual how that all played out, but it was like such a low, such a low AAV that you're just, and the guy's like still like, I think 25 or 26. And there's, right. you know, a couple of four win seasons in a row. And you're like, no, I guess this guy did just move up 50 spots with an extension. That's kind of insane, yeah. but that's how it works. Who, so who shifted, I know that you said that like there were dudes who just in the initial cuts, you know, weren't on here who got added in as you started layering in stuff like, you know, the three and five year zips projections and you started talking to people who moved around the most for you just in your assessment of them from when you started to when this pod is going live today, Friday. It's not today isn't Friday, today's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> reporting from the past uh yeah i would say the sort of pop-up guys that uh the two that were in we're recording this on thursday so this morning's uh article were Catal Marte and yon moncada sure. they both did not make the honorable mention last year both are having huge seasons this year and were sort of touted big tooled up young guys that have a bunch of control Marte had already signed an extension and then yeah. they basically go nuts. Moncada's, like, statistically, if you look at, like, the StatCast stuff, like, appears to be more real than Marte's But they both went from, uh, I think I said in Moncada's uh, comment that it was like, oh, we thought he might be, you know, one of the best, if not the best player in baseball at some point. And then after, like, 900 plate appearances, we're like, oh, maybe we were wrong. And then the next year, it was like, oh, now it happened. Okay, we just, right. we were just, like, silly and impatient. So it's like, well, now he's back on the trajectory of the guy that I think, I think it was Eric, who the year, one of the years I was gone, had yeah. was the best prospect in baseball. It's like, all right, well, let's just say, look at it another way and say this guy's done what he was supposed to do and just had like a little bit of like a breaking in period at the beginning. Well, where, where would that guy have gone if right. we just, if we knew that that was sort of like the trajectory? And then I'm like, well, he was, I don't know, 90th or something on last year's list. And now he's 18th. So we're trying to figure out exactly if that guy is 40th or 10th or whatever without having like really anything to anchor it to. And then as you get the top five or 10 sort of worked out pretty well, like, you know, Acuna and Tatis and Trout and Bellinger and all these guys are going to be up there. They're all in the top 15 of every iteration of this. But once you sort of get that firm where it's like, all right, these 10 are for sure. And then like 11 through 18 is a tier. I'm using generalities. Sure. And then like, here's another tier. And then you're like, all right, which tier does he most look like? And so that's when you right. get like the Herman Marquez, the Shane Bieber, Moncada, Marte, like the guys that were not on the list or even really in the honorable mentions last year that are sort of new to the exercise. 
uh, Wander Franco's another one that's was pretty tough too. Mm-hmm. You start looking at, like at what group of comps look similar, and often that will be the advice that execs get, which I've found sure. when you send like a really big meaty list to an exec that's obviously like a busy person and like wants to help, but like also ne- make needs it to be easy for them to fit it in their day. Well, if and you s- when you sent this list around, several of them were on their way to vacation around the All Star break, <laughs> so the fact that they answered your calls at all is really uh, very generous of them. We should say thank you for. People want to talk to Kylie during vacation. Sounds crazy. I didn't talk to you during my vacation. That's true. Not, not one time. Yeah, you're right. And we're, pa- we're pals. Sure. Pro- professional pals. Um, <laughs> and the funny thing is now over doing, you know, years off and on of lists and whatnot, I know the people that will definitely answer and the people sure. that will sometimes answer. And I just sure. don't email the people that almost never answer. Sure. And sometimes they'll see me at like games and stuff and be like, oh, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. And I was like, yep. That could have changed if you would just send me like, a, hey, I'm busy right now. If you, if you give me like a non-answer, but you explain your non-answer, you'll keep Aww. getting stuff. And I think some guys like... Sounds so much like my mom. Well, some guys like just seeing lists ahead of time and sure. like sort of being in touch or whatever, just like being reminded right. that I exist. And I found that sometimes guys in the game will follow me on Twitter, but that, you know, I see them once or twice a year. We don't like text that often. Right. They'll walk up to me and start referring to stuff like in my life because they follow me on, you know, podcasts and social media, even just passively. They're aware of things and they feel like they're keeping up with with me but i obviously i'm like barely talking to them <laughs> right it's like You're a like, weird weird amount of familiarity right it's like you know a lot about the kitchen that's going in to my uh to my new house but i haven't talked to you in 18 months <laughs> yeah like you could have had a kid and i don't know but like you knew what i put on the grill last week which is yep. like a it's like a weird amount of information to have um but a lot of those guys like to to hear those things and i've now just sort of cut them out some and there's just some people who i don't have their number when i see them at games we always talk for 20 minutes and it just sure. never extends beyond that but then the, the reason i brought that up is often the advice they will give is not 50 people here's how to you know up down neutral on all of them like sure. almost almost nobody does that but they will say like oh these are the five guys that look out of place and then when you get the same name two or three times, you're like, all right, that guy's definitely out of place. <laughs> but right. then sometimes you'll get like a move this guy up, move this guy down. And then you kind of look at it and like take a really, really deep dive on like those two guys. And you're like, no, I think they're in the right place. And these guys either have the high and low opinion of him or they're in the big and small markets. And this is one of those, you know, Max Scherzer or Wander Franco types where the market size or the specific type of like, you know, GM you are, you work for like has a lot of impact. So that's working within those groups of similar guys, which I try to point out in the list of like, oh, Marte yes. and Moncada, they're together. And like Glaber and Devers, they kind of like move together the whole time. So it's like, all right, you right. can flip those guys however you want because I flipped them 14 times. But I feel right. like the, they're gonna the tiers move, go in this order. Right. And they're going to move sort of in lockstep with one another. And I know you did a little bit after, and we had talked about this when we were thinking about like, where does Lindor go on this list? And we did a little bit of like, who are the guys who are like him? So, you know, who are sort of like up the middle dudes ahead of him on this list who we like more. And he moved up as a result of that <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, that was the him and Bryant. Those are some of the tougher guys where it's the short the short window of control. And Mookie Betts, I know some of the commenters, which I don't read every single one, but I like to keep a pulse of what's going on. He was, I think he was like sixth last year. Like he was very high and he right. just missed the list this year. But I think going, if you, like, the sort of, uh, I don't want to say algorithm, like, spreadsheet I put together, and I'll have, like, little, you know, I'll have seven years, here's the salary, seven years, here's the war, and just sort of have, like, uh, formulas to put that all together. Uh, and then I'll have, like, a summary column where it'll just be, like, oh, it's four and a half years, 12 or $50 million. So I don't have to, like, read through every single little column. Right. And so when you have a guy that has, like, a, a year and a half of control, 
It's like, all right, if it's a six one guy, that's nine war. Almost no one on this list gives you as little as nine war. But if you had just one more year where it's two and a half seasons, then it's, you know, 15 war. And like right. 15, there's guys in like the top 20 or top 10 that offer you 15. And so it's kind of interesting that those guys with two and a half years of control can be in like, you know, the end of the top 10 or like in the teens and then be 60 the next year because that and basically half the control disappears. And maybe I'm doing this incorrectly, but I know every time I see in the comments, like, I can't believe you guys use dollar per war. That's so dumb. And we'll go ask at the winter meetings. We'll like make a point when we're talking to like analysts with very progressive teams and they'll be like, yeah, it's not perfect, but that's exactly what we do. So like ask that commenter if he's got something better. (laughs) Well, and I think that you're, you know, careful throughout this exercise too. You're trying to hit what the median team is going to do, right? So you are naturally... Which I think is the only way to do it. Right. You're naturally discounting, you know, for lack of a better way of putting this, like you're discounting the Dodgers. I said Yankees and Rays, really. Yeah, like the two examples. Right. But you're also discounting the Rays because they occupy two very extreme ends of the, not only the the salary spectrum, I mean, those two teams are winning a lot right now, but they they approach their roster construction in, in very different ways. But I think you are conscious throughout this exercise of the appeal of concentrated war in a very short period of time. That sentence without context sounds crazy. <laughs> would, would you like concentrated war? Or you're just like tired of just like watered down war stuff. Terrible. No new taxes. <laughs> Lord. So you, you know, and you brought this up with say Freddie Freeman, right? That part of the appeal is that you are getting this concentrated burst of performance and value in a a short period of time. And that affects where he falls on this list to his benefit, right? Yeah. If it was like three, three years of three war each or two years of four and a half war, the two year four and a half war guy is going to go higher, even though it's nine war. And some people are going to be like, Oh, you get like three years of control or whatever. And I made it, I forget who's, it might've been Freeman's comment where I said, some teams appear to be collecting controllable years like Pokemon cards and be be careful not to just collect them all because at some point you're going to have a team full of two to three win guys that are cheap and then to replace them you basically have to go get a veteran making a bunch of money that you know is a three win guy and then two years from now he's going to be a two win guy too. Right. And so it's like you at some point you kind of have to like move all these pieces together and so that was like one of the sort of guiding principles and it's still, you know, you got to finesse it a little bit but if you have, you know, like a Paul DeJong who's like a two and a half, three win guy, true talent sure. maybe. And you have him like cheap for six years. And then Freddie Freeman, who is like, you know, maybe twice as good on a yearly basis of war, but you have him for just two years. And it's like, well, you know, DeJong's guaranteed a bunch of money. What if he ends up being a backup? Then you're like, you know, caught with all this money and this guy's not an asset anymore. And he wasn't that, that great to begin with. And so like, right. who really wants this guy? And then Freeman, it's like, well, if he gets hurt once, like half of his, you know, value goes out the door, but also you don't have to worry about five years from now, you're paying 20 mil. What if he's not that good? And so you right. have to sort of balance all these things. And that that's, I think, where the execs come in is where, you know, I put them in tiers and then you're like, all right, so this two-year guy is a little better than that two-year guy. So I'll put like a tier of different sorts of guys in between them. And then at some point, somebody will be like, oh, well, you know, Tani shouldn't be at 20. He should be at 16 or right. or whatever guy that moves up, you know, up or down a tier. And so that's, uh, like I said, I'll try to point out when it's like, oh, this tier is these five guys. You can flip these five hard. Like these are all the aces in like their mid to late 20s that have extensions and are pretty good. You can kind of flip them around if you want. Or like Scherzer and DeGrom, 
specific team. I mean, I, I know last year I did the, I believe it was Judge versus Lindor, where it was very tough to work it out because it was two different kinds of players, longer control, shorter control. Right. And so I think that was the one where I did like all 30 teams. And it was like, oh, 18 teams would probably take this guy. So he goes higher. Right. And I think that there's an example like that with the Grom and Scherzer, where it's basically, would a team not mind taking five years at a lower AAV of an ace type pitcher into Grom? But it's like skinny build throws hard, had a TJ. So there's some risk factors that the last couple of years of that deal could be a disaster. Right. Or do you want two and a half years and three playoff runs of Scherzer, the best pitcher in baseball, for a higher AAV, but it's like less overall money and it's actually all deferred in the future. So whatever like the paper number is, is actually a little bit less. That almost depends on sort of like the GM and the market size and the owner. Like that gets like very specific. It's not two different kinds of players. It's like two of the same kinds of players, with slightly different contracts. Was there anyone who you felt either very high or very low on who you realized you were maybe out of sync with what the industry perception of them was? Like, were, was there a dude where you were like, I think he's amazing, and executives were like, he is garbage. <laughs> they hopefully didn't say it that way, because that's a very mean way of saying that. There were a couple guys that I liked that I had in like that. 45 to 75 range where I'm like, this guy might make it. Odds are he probably won't yeah. just because there's, you know, 30 guys that it, like every guy that said something about him would be like, oh, move him up. He should definitely be on there. Uh, Nixon Zell was one of those hmm. where like, I mean, our report and our like tool grades is basically above average at everything in a seven bat and he can play basically every position on the field except for pitcher and catcher. So it's like, yeah, obviously everyone's going to like that guy. Uh, but he also had his list of injuries the last two years would seem too weird to put in like a Simpsons baseball episode. It'd be like <laughs> vertigo twice in one year. Come on. Like, that's not what happened here. Fellow migraine sufferer, Nick Senzo. <laughs> yeah, and like a bunch of these things happened twice to a guy that had basically no injury history before that or like nothing like major. So, yeah, th- I mean, that one was a little weird. And then I had a couple teams be like, oh, yeah, no, we called Cincinnati and thought like, you know, maybe we could get this guy and like we cannot. Like they're they're right. aware of what they have. And uh, Brandon Woodruff was another one who was having a great season, and I think we were relatively early on, and then he was good in the in the bullpen, like in the playoffs and all that sort of stuff last year, and now he's in the rotation and doing really well. But I had him, you know, lower down, and then guys were like, oh no, he goes up with like, you know, Soroka and Luis Castillo and like, you know, not that far from like the Nolan Paddock group and all, like this this might be for real, even though it's like not a huge amount of innings, like people are buying into this. And I think that's... I think that's one of the things is when it's younger guys with like, you know, either good contract or tons of control and like you think they're going to be good, but you don't know if it's two and a half wins a year good or like three and a half, four wins good. And you have like, you know, half a season or a little over season of info. I think the teams, knowing the guy's medical history, knowing the makeup, which are things we basically don't know. Like we often will have like a little bit of indication, but we don't know. And then there's also just like the, you know, there's the trackman stuff, StatCast stuff. And then there's just like, oh, our scouts are, you know, the teams that have big league scouts, like they're just sitting there watching, you know, how they move and like, oh, the coach said that this guy's complaining about whatever, like just all the little stuff that goes into it. I don't know. It, it puts it puts it in a little starker relief than like I think I could have done if I just didn't ask anybody. Sure. Sorry, I feel I feel like this was getting like a little dry. Let's uh, let's get some personality in here. L- dry. Little, little lifestyle. It's not, getting, no, it's not getting dry. Let's talk about Wander Franco. Yeah, he was he was an interesting one. Yeah, let's talk about Wander Franco. Wander Franco, who is the only player on this list to have not debuted yet, has not yet debuted, is 18. It's very young. 
area as a baseball sort and obviously was not ranked last year came in at 23 23 as someone who's never played in the majors <laughs> kylie you're crazy no you're not why are you not crazy well so this one's funny so i actually sent around some uh versions of this list i think you probably had one of them mm-hmm. where he was like 11th or 12th yeah he was he was at one point much higher in this exercise than he ended up settling and yeah, well, because I think I think he is a superior prospect to Vlad Jr. at the same stage. Um, sure, just well, because he, he's going to stay at short, so or at least somewhere up the middle. Right. I could see them like you know sticking him at some other useful position and leaving Willie Adams there for a year or two until he just like takes. People it. will not tweet about Wander Franco big boy season. <laughs> it's true. It's not he's a thing not a gonna, big baseball boy. They're not going to tweet that about him. No one is going to call him their large adult son. Yeah, what will the memes be about him? It can't just be know. like, oh, look how good he is. He's young because there's like a bunch of those guys. Oh, I can do a lot with Wander. So yeah, okay, that's yeah. going to be, mm, uh, you know, like if he makes some some really uh, great uh, plays from short where he ranges in a way we are not expecting, I expect uh, not all who wander our lost tweet. It's coming for you all. I expect the be first like, response to that tweet to just be in all caps, Meg. Yeah. No, I might I might earn a Megan on that one. Uh, well, that's when I know I'm really in trouble. I actually, I don't remember <laughs> if it was your email or Slack or something actually said Megan. And I'm like, wow, this must be a very old account. I think it was an email. Yeah, my email is uh, my my full name, among other things. You'll never crack it. It's a mystery. Anyhow. Actually, I, I would not crack it if you gave me like 10 tries. <laughs> it does have some extra letters in there. So anyway, Wander ended up at 23 yes. after being much higher. So What, ha- he, what happened? So he was up there with Vlad Jr., which I thought was like a natural uh, ranking, ranking buddy for him to go with. Because I, sure. I think he's better. But I think, you know, if a team is pulling a trigger on a trade, I mentioned this last year with Tatis. Certain teams were telling me, like, oh, he should be in the top 20. And he was like, you know, some swing and miss issues in double A. And I was like, ah, I'd... and like the principle I sort of explained was, oh, if you trade for Glaber Torres after he's had a scorching hot three months in the big leagues, if he doesn't work out, you don't get in trouble. If you right. sell the farm for Tatis and then he comes up and it never works, like you look really bad, like right. could get fired. And that is not, I think, a good way to do things. I think no. that's why some teams are trying to trade for Nick Senzel before you get to the big leagues. Sure. But I think that is also the reality. And so when I started sending the list around, I was like, oh, I think he is a better asset than Vlad Jr. So I'll just stick him. I think it was one spot or two spots behind him. That seems like a reasonable place to put him and see what people think. And then the feedback I was getting is, mm, I'm not sure if the number two and number one prospect should be like 50 spots apart. And I was like, all right, that's fair. You're not saying that one or the other is right or wrong because, like, you get the exercise I'm trying to do here. Uh, but, yeah, 50 does seem like a lot. I don't I don't know if I agree with that. Like, I, I still think I would kind of leave him in, like, the, you know, 10 to 15 area and have all the other prospects in the 50 to 60 area. Um, and some people argued for, you know, Jordan Alvarez should be in the top 50. Sure. And I was like, we're not even sure he's the top 10 prospect in baseball. He's in the big leagues going nuts. And, like, maybe in a month we'll change your tune on that. But... It's like, yeah, it's DH with, like, old guy skills. Like, I don't know, Peter Lonson is kind of doing this, and, you know, you didn't put him as high as, like, Aaron Judge just because he's a big right. dude hits the ball real hard. Like, there's there has to be, like, some level of consistency, and I don't know if this is, like, a, a prospect. Uh, there's a pejorative term in the comments today calling us prospect gurus. Um, 
which I, I didn't know was bad, but I guess it is. I don't think that's a... Was that positioned negatively? Uh, it kind of was, yeah. And the funny thing is I could tell it was a bunch of Mets fans because uh, one commenter that I sent to you compared Jeff McNeil to Ichiro. Oh, yeah. That and was actually spooky. said, I think he'll be Ichiro. Like, after people kind of talked him down, he was like, yeah, but I think he'll still be Ichiro for a while. And I was like, he has never been and will never be Ichiro. I don't know if you've ever seen that guy before. <sighs> and then today in the comments, people were explaining that Aaron Judge was way too high because Pete Alonso is already better and he has more control. And I was just like, eh. I mean, he's not. But even if he was, that's like not really. There's like, oh, well, his body's falling apart. I was like, less than two years ago, Pete Alonso was just like straight up normal person fat. So like, we're just going to assume his body's going to last forever. Like, come on, guys. Let's calm down here. Oh, no. Like, look, how, look how hard Pete Alonso hits the ball. I'm just like, Aaron Judge was like breaking the machine. Are you, are you just bored with him now? Like, Aaron Judge is one of the few people. He didn't actually leave the yard when he hit a home run off Andrew Moore. As an aside, poor Andrew Moore had to throw baseballs to Aaron Judge. You can exp- you can think about how that went. Not great. Uh, but it sure did look like it was going to clear the park. So I don't know. People should relax. <laughs> but going back to Wander Franco. So I, I still think if I am doing a list and trying to represent all 30 teams and, you know, whatever, whatever, I think he sh- – or if I'm trying to represent what I think, I think he right. should go 10 to 15 because this is what the teams think. And I was right. consistently getting either the gap was too big or he should move down a little bit. I was like, oh, this is going back to the Tatis thing because, like, Tatis had some contact issues in AA regardless of, like, you know, projections and his age and all that sort of stuff. And Franco is essentially doing that because he's in high A and has had no trouble yet. So maybe he'll have some trouble if he went to double A. Um, and so people are just like a little hesitant to do it, but if he did like the Acuna thing where he, like the, the end of his breakout year, he's in AAA and is clearly bored, like being the best right. player in AAA as a 19 year old. I think if Franco was doing that, then I could put him 10 or 12 and people would say he was in the right spot. Right. So I, I moved him down and he is one of the guys where I mean, there's, I think there's a few guys that, that I mentioned throughout the exercise where it's like, oh, this guy might move up 10 spots in the next two months. Whereas right. some other guys, it's like, oh, this guy's only going to move down because he's like, you know, judge. He's not going to get any better than he is now. He's just either going to stay healthy or he's not. And he's going to get a lot more expensive and he's just going to be losing time as he goes. So, like, he can basically only move down. Whereas Franco, I think, could easily be in the top 10 next year. And I think Otani, if he comes back in the first half of next year, throws, you know, doesn't miss a start in the rotation and is, you know, 130 WRC plus at the plate, it's like, oh, he'll definitely be in the top 10. But, like, that is not definite that he's going to do that. And you can think that it's definite and think that he should be eighth, and that's fine. But I don't think that's what his trade value is because, again, if you trade for that guy after a TJ and it turns out he's never going to pitch again or something, like, you look pretty bad. And I don't think it's going to happen, but I think there's a little bit of risk aversion to these decisions where teams kind of have to see it first, which is part of the reason these guys don't get traded because sure. once the guy's proven it and he's a top 10 asset, like, you're definitely not going to get it then. Well, and, you know, like, Otani's an interesting case for this exercise because, like, there is a possibility that he is just so valuable at the plate that the Angels end up making the decision because they get nervous about the health stuff to just not have him pitch at all. And then you have to evaluate him in the context of this exercise as a pure hitter. And he'd still probably do pretty well, but he wouldn't be eighth, right? I like, I even talked to someone with the Angels, and they did not <gasps> say put him in the top 10. They said where to put him, and it was like three or four spots higher. <laughs> yeah. So... Dun, dun, and dun. and stuff like that happens a good bit where the sure. team that has the player is like, yeah, yeah, that guy that like the fans of the comments will say should be fourth, like he should be like ninth, like calm it down. And I was like, right now right. I know that that's the correct answer because even you're saying it, right? Who I'm I'm going to ask you, Kylie, to admit to um some some vulnerability here. Mm. So I'm going to give you a little while to get used to that idea while I formulate this question, <laughs> but you're going to have to answer it. I'm going to require it because it's my podcast. So 
I'm trying to humble myself, but I'm having a lot of trouble right now. There were a, a great many uh, players in our honorable mentions posts. So these are dudes who did not quite crack the top 50, but who came close, uh, although they were ultimately held out of the top 50 for one reason or another, some of which um, had to do with how much money was uh, tied up in their deal, even if they're very good players, like Nolan Arenado falls into that category, or they uh, occupy a um, position that we get nervous about, right? So you had two very good relievers in this list, uh, but like, say, Josh Hader did not crack your top 50, although he did merit some mention here. Uh, you had a bunch of prospects. Who among all of these dudes are you the most worried you made a mistake on? Like, like who he, am- he could do like an Acuna where a month later, I'm like, oh, that guy should be higher. Yeah. All right. So here's here's another funny thing that I was uh, meant to mention earlier, which is because I didn't want to have this be a thing I was emailing people about for three weeks. Like, I feel sure. like when you email and say, hey, it's going to go up next week, everyone knows that there's like, oh, I got to get it to by, you know, Saturday because it's going to go up on Monday kind of thing. You're, get, you're giving away all of your secrets. <laughs> Because if you say it's going to go up in a, in a week, people just don't respond because they like put it away for a week and forget about it. Which I've found I've sent myself emails that I've lost, so like I, I get sure. how that works. I run a I run an editorial calendar. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> you're like yeah, right, Mike. I mean, I can imagine, but I feel like I wouldn't be accurate. Um, how, <laughs> I'll just stick to imagining it. Anyway, yes. So some of these people got back to me on like Monday morning about the the last part, like as it was going up, and I was sure. like. Oh, this is like someone that I think has really good insight into this sort of player. And they said, this guy should move up or down. And it just went up. And if he would have told me about the, it's, that's the spoiler. It's a he that told me. Um, if he would have told me to move some guys on tomorrow's list, I could have easily moved them. And you may not have even noticed. Hey. But that is not what happened. No. So there are a couple of the honorable mentions that I actually talked to Eric because there's a bunch of like sort of young players or prospects that were in, in the mix. And I was like, all right, we got to make sure the prospect rankings jive with this. And also you sure. have, you know, pretty good knowledge of these guys. Who would you want? So if I could say like 51 through 55, it would probably be Eloy Jimenez, Alex Verdugo, Austin Riley, Austin Meadows, and then probably Mookie Betts. Mm. No, that one's a little, little more open. But th- those top four guys and the first honorable mention group is those are like the. Let's see, they're all five and a half to seven and a half years of control of right. guys that have been in the top thirty of an overall prospect list that are currently performing in the big leagues that have some measure of defensive value or just you know bonkers tools. Bonkers. And and I'm like, all right, these are the guys that should be up. And I know one of them will separate themselves out of that group of four. Sure. Probably a month from now. Like, they'll probably be enough to be like, oh, it's this guy. And I got two emails the day after, or the, like, hours after the first article went up saying, oh, Austin Meadows should definitely be on there. I didn't even realize he wasn't on there. I just assumed he would be. And I was like, oh, he should kind of be the guy that's on there. And then I got two guys told me right after it went up, oh, Mondesi, he should he should be the one that, like, slides off just because, you know, the approach hasn't improved. And I know he's young and athletic and plays at the middle, that sort of thing. But, like, I'm worried, like, it's not going to get any better. And, like, Meadows, I think, will get better. And I was like, oh, maybe that's the that's the swap that I should have made was was Meadows for Mondesi because it was, it was just like, oh, if I would have gotten all that stuff on Sunday night, I, I would have flipped them. So now, sure. you know, it's a snapshot in time. And right. that snapshot was, you know, ill-timed. But, but that's how that one worked. And, and then also, I think during the exercise, as I found out more about Scherzer's contract, because I wrote something, somebody was like, Oh, I think it actually might be more this. And I was like, Oh yeah, I think you're right. 
And then I double checked and someone goes, I think that's right. And then the next day, another one of those people came back and said, actually, I went back and looked again. And I think it's actually even a little different than that. And I'm like, all right, I feel better that the teams weren't 100% sure on Scherzer's contract. <laughs> so I don't feel bad that I messed it up. And I feel like we were sure. very clear about like edit. I'm leaving everything that was written before there. Oh, yeah. No. But this is what we think is true now. Yeah. And then luckily the guy I was comparing him to was DeGrom. And by the time right. we got to DeGrom, we knew what was going on with Scherzer and DeGrom. We could make a table, compare them and say, all right, Scherzer was whatever he was. I think he was 44th. And I'm like, I don't know exactly where I'd put him now because it doesn't really matter. But you could put him anywhere from like 25 to 40. Like he's probably at least five spots too low and maybe 20 spots too low. <laughs> but, you know, I guess that's the nature. I guess I have to be okay with this thing he dated because last year I think Cunha was in the wrong spot like within a month. I think that people understand that these things have some fluidity to them. And, you know, then next year you can you can be remorseful. You can write a nice letter to Austin Meadows' mother. Say, I underestimated your son. I didn't have your boy in the right place. So I actually have a, a quick, funny story about Please meeting Austin tell- Meadows' family. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so when I was first starting doing this with ESPN with, uh, with Keith, I guess this was 2012, I did, I went to the perfect game site because I like basically just getting on seeing like high school showcases and stuff. Sure. And it had a listing of, you know, the top 20, I guess 13 or 2014 prospects. And I was like, all right, let me just know who the top guys are because some of these guys are from big high schools. I want to, you know, know the name if I run into them. Here's, you know, eight names to remember. And one of them was Austin Meadows, who I think was the number one player in the class at that point. And then I I just looked up the roster or the schedules of those high school teams to just see like, oh, I was living in Tampa at the time. Is anybody going to be around here? And Austin Meadows' team was playing within an hour of my house at a tournament in St. Pete like that day. And I was like, oh, well, that's an easy one. I'll just, I got yeah. nothing going on today. I'll just try over there and see this guy. And I'm like, it'll be great because it'll be like very pure scouting because I don't know anything about this guy. I have no idea what his expectations are. I know he's supposed to be good, but like this guy could be the 70th ranked guy a year from now. So it's not like, you know. Right. And and so I, I email the coach and ask him what time batting practices or if they're going to have it. He goes, yeah, it'll be this time, whatever. And I didn't tell him that I was with ESPN. I was using my Gmail account. And so I show up and watch BP and the coach walks over and is just like, you know, hey, how you doing? Like he's very accommodating. And I'm just like, oh, this guy must not have a lot of prospects because like he's, you know, if he had a bunch of prospects, there's 20 scouts at every game and he just like thinks these guys are annoying. So then, oh, and now I let Scout out. Now she's barking at me to let her in. So that's you can, how this works. You, you can go let her in. Well, no, I'm going I'm to finish my story. Then I'll let her okay. in. She needs to know that I'm in charge. So, so I watch BP. I go get something to eat. I come back to the game. And at the game, people are like doing like the, like I walk by and they're like whispering. And I'm just like, I just started doing this. Like they're, they're barely paying me. Like, and eventually somebody walks over and goes, Hey, are you, you're the guy from ESPN? <laughs> I was like, yeah. He's like, oh yeah, the coach told us. Uh, he goes, Ham Austin's agent. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, nice to meet you. I'm a little surprised to see you here. Uh, he's like, well, yeah, I mean, he's one of the, you know, best players in the country and he's an agent. And like, I had, you know, a client in Tampa, so I was in town, whatever. And he goes, you want to meet his parents? And I was like, was, wasn't planning on it, but sure. <laughs> so I go walk over to his parents. His dad gives me his email address, says, hey, if you're ever in Atlanta, like, come by, see the family. And I look at the agent, and I was just like, they haven't met a lot of scouts, have they? And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, because if I was them, I would be so tired of talking to scouts. I would be, like, looking to get out of the conversation. And he gave me his email address, and I showed him my photo. I was like, I have Austin Meadows' dad's email address. And he was like, yeah, if you come back next year, they're definitely going to be tired of, like, having, like, you know, 30 grown men at everything Austin does. And, of course, you know, I go back next year, and I don't think the dad – I didn't, like, see and, like, shake the dad's hand or anything, but, like, he didn't pick me out of the crowd. He didn't come invite me over. Like, I think he figured out, like, how <laughs> how it works. But, um, but yeah, when you mentioned Austin Meadows' family, I'm just like, well, huh, met those guys, got the email address. <laughs> well, so you can email his mother and apologize for underestimating her boy. 
Yeah, I have. That that feels like a um, a meme from that Daniel Day Lewis movie. Have I told you the story about how my father uh, unintentionally trolled our understanding of Jordan Alvarez? <laughs> have I told you this story? You have not. How do you do that? I was uh, watching a, a baseball game with my dad. I went out for, this was a couple of weeks ago around uh, when my birthday was. We went out for a drink and uh, the Astros were playing the Yankees, I think. And so the game was on in the bar and uh, Jordan was having a good day at the plate as he's been wont to do this season. And uh, I think he like he hit a ball very, very hard that ended up being a long single, but you could tell he smoked it. My dad looks up at the screen. He's like, guy just looks like a baseball player. I bet he's really good. And he looks at me expecting to me to say, because generally when young dudes perform well, my dad will look at me and expect me to say, yeah, we had him in that place. And I was just, I just cracked up because sometimes uh, your parents end up uh, trolling you and your colleagues and not even meaning to. I mean, we had him on the top 100. But I, yeah. know. If, I know. Yeah. If, you're, if your dad picks him out as this guy seems very good at the baseball, like he's probably higher than that. Well, I don't I don't know about that. My dad was under the impression that Malik Smith was pretty good in center field for a while. So, like, you know, dad's skills as an evaluator still very much up in the air. So I shouldn't be sending him the trade value list? Absolutely not. Maybe Scout is really upset about the Cats trailer also. <sighs> Boy, I, I can tell you that this You're household... You're going to have to hear so much more about this in the next <laughs> couple of months, and I'm just really sorry in advance. I can just tell you this household has zero Taylor Swift fans in it, and also zero Jason Derulo <laughs> fans, but two fans of how Jason Derulo says his own name in his songs, because I think that's very exciting. <laughs> I just, uh, you know what, we're not going to do it. I No, I have to say the following. No, I don't, never mind. <laughs> People will have to uh, tune into the Lifestyle Pod to hear my re- my full review of the Cats trailer. This would be great ringer content. Are you saying that that's not what Fangraph says? Uh, Bowman already told me I should pitch it. Uh, it's fine. We're not going to talk about Stranger Things either? No. Or I Bruce mean, a Spritzers? We have so many different topics to hit on. I feel on. like we should wait for Stranger Things. Like, David will want to be in on that. Eric might want in on that conversation. We had, you know, Sean loves Stranger Things. We got a couple of folks who are in on the, the Stranger Things uh, train, on the train, or skeptical of the train, as the case may be, depending on the, the person. So, if, if I know a podcast, uh, seven people with none of them in the same room talking about a TV show is going to be some real compelling audio. So what you're saying is that we should fly to a uh, city in the Midwest and just do it on stage. Here's the funny thing. The mall where season three happens is 20 minutes from my house. Oh, yeah, because they film in Atlanta. Yeah, and somebody uh, tweeted about it. that it's I think it's the Gwinnett County Mall or the Gwinnett something mall. They're not going to rename it Starcourt? I mean, I guess they did temporarily. Uh, they I should... think it's also like abandoned, abandoned. I guess that's why they oh. would uh, take it over. So I'm not sure you can like, go inside, sense. but... Not now, but give it a minute. People are still going to Forks, Washington to like, I don't know, pretend there are vampires there. And it's just a little logging town. So don't underestimate the ability of the mall to attract... Uh, I was going to say weirdos, but that's judgmental in a way that I didn't actually mean. Uh, fans. No, I think that's word. what people that are fans of those movies are called. Like, they're they're just known as weirdos. They call each other. <laughs> so. Should this serve as, like, the uh, like the, the backdoor pilot for the Lifestyle Pod? Should we just, like, tack 10 minutes on and then uh, throw out a Twitter know. poll and just see what the groundswell of support for it? It might be as successful as the bottle episode of Stranger Things from last season. I'm not Bossy. optimistic. This is good because it's like it, you know, you're I'm self-aware. Tying it, tying it all together. It's pop culture. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm definitely aware of the limited appeal of cats. Let me tell you. 
And also that play. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's not good. It's a bad show, and now it's going to be a terrible movie. I'll I'll say this. I I know that this is generally true about men, and I get the impression that it's not generally true about women, so let me know if I'm (laughs) overgeneralizing. Yeah, I'm going to start my 1980s stand-up comic routine. (laughs) What's the deal with airplanes? The food's not as good as you'd expect. So... I am completely taken out of something when there's like a totally normal movie for five minutes uh-huh. and then someone breaks into song while they're like jauntily like strutting down a street. I'm just so like, you're oh, just not, you're not in on musicals generally. Yeah. Like I can suspend my disbelief with, you know, alien attacks and, and whatnot. I mean, I guess those things also could really happen. People can sing in real life, Kylie. See, this is what I'm saying. Like things that are, I guess, technically plausible, but like pretty far-fetched. Like I guess, you know, Harry Potter could happen. Sure. Those things I'm fine because I think that is a world that I would not either mind exploring or even living in. And uh-huh. I think when it comes to people being so excited about everything that they need to sing a song about it, I am neither interested in living in it or exploring it. And it feels more like hell than like an alternate reality. I mean, I don't think anyone wants to live in a world where they are covered in fur like a cat. See, you just so, took it to another step. Yeah, I'm just saying. Let's, let's put the train back on the tracks at least temporarily well i got i got some more in my in my tight five about musicals well i but you got to save some time in the set for whatever your top gun impression is because we're apparently doing top gun again and also is a big trailer day did you see the trailer for the new brad pitt movie ad astra no yeah it, it's like it sounds like i mean from what i can tell it's one of those kind of like you know moody pieces it seems like the good version of Interstellar. That trailer's been out for a while. Well, there was a new one today with like oh, actual okay. details. The first can... one looked good, except that I am kind of tired of Liv Tyler having nothing to do, but like look worried on behalf of a man. But anyway, that is a whole different lifestyle podcast. And let me tell you, Kylie, you're not going to be on that one. I'm not going to be allowed on the Liv Tyler one. <laughs> no, you're not going to be allowed on the Meg's Feminist Rants About Movies podcast. You're not invited. No boys allowed. So let's talk about who on your list. Wait, you just skipped over Top Gun? Or are we going to come back to that? No, we'll come back to it later. We gotta. We have to do some baseball business still, or I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a disappointed text message from our boss. So who on this list? I mean, the the answer might be just a guy toward the end, and I guess the answer might just be modesty because you've already said that. But who on here would you think is just gonna be gone next year? Like who's gonna fall off? Because we had, you know, you had some very good uh, baseball players fall off the list uh from last year like bets we've mentioned you know severino people are just worried about the injury stuff chris sale has this big contract ben has been sort of meh you know like we've had altuve uh mitch hanniger we're just not going to talk about his injury <laughs> i really that's don't not, want to. <laughs> i don't think that's why he fell off the list for you but it can't have helped no, because not only do I not know the comps for people that have come back from that injury, I don't want to do the research for it. Because no. then I'm going to end up finding out about Kaz Matsui's injury again, which I don't want to talk about. Yeah, you know, it's just not fun for anyone. You know, George Springer is still very good at baseball, but he fell off the list. So who who do you predict? And we will not hold you to it because it's July and a lot can change before we do this exercise again. But who are you expecting to, to not see come 2020? Wait, what? How does this? What does it have to do with Nazis? Nazi. Okay, what are we doing here? Come on. Um, see, I, I know I can to, get you. Get it together, so, Kylie. So, judging from who fell off of last year's list, yes, uh, I would say the two the two groups to look at would be either people in the bottom ten, uh huh, 
Or Although some of some of these dudes, if they have sustained performance, might move up, right? Like I could see, yeah. you know, Castillo, for instance. Yeah, I would say more more veteran types in the bottom sure. half. I mean, probably the bottom half of the list. It's not like only forty through fifty fell off, but sure. those are the ones that I would guess would fall off. And then also guys with two and a half years of control, or even if they continue to be very good, when they just have one and a half years of control, they have that same problem. It's like, oh, so it's like less than Chris, 10 more. So like Chris Bryant, for instance. So yeah, the guys with two and a half years of control would be Lindor at 14. I, he might still sneak on. He's basically the same yeah. spot Betts was in. There's a yeah. chance he does, but he, it would be like 45 to 50 if he stays on. Uh, the, yeah, the next one would be Bryant, who I guess also has a chance to stay on the end, but probably won't. Right. And then when you get toward the bottom half, then the guys with two and a half seem like, unless they have like a 15-win season, almost definitely So like Cor- Correa and Seager. And Freeman, Freeman and Baez. And Baez, yeah. Javi seems like he is he is certain to fall away. And then one but, more would be Scherzer, which I still yeah. don't know how to predict what's going to happen with this guy. And who knows, maybe the contract will change again and it turns out, I don't know. Uh, the laws of physics don't apply to him anymore, and so they're just gonna have to pay his grandchildren in perpetuity. I think is the actual answer to this question. Yeah, and I think another group that uh, would make some sense would be sort of like young pitchers with one or two good years, where it just turns out they have a bad year, right? Or like the elbow blows out, and suddenly you're thinking about them a little differently. Yeah. So then, like Woodruff and Soroka, forty-one and yeah. forty-two, makes some sense. And then obviously, I already talked about Mondesi. Yeah, I would say those would be those would be the names that I would would expect to fall off. I'm sure there's sure. going to be some like very surprising ones, like you know, fingers crossed. One of the other pitchers I didn't mention blows out. Like they're probably going to fall off too. Sure. But yeah, that's what I would expect. And then I guess the next question would be guys that I expect to find their way on. Yeah, that would be the <laughs> next question. You did a great job. Well, the the four young hitters that I mentioned before, yeah. uh, Eloy, Riley, Verdugo, and Meadows, they all make sense. Yep. And they all have so much control where they they're. They're at a point, like, Benintendi fell off, and he's, like, close, but he's at three and a half years of control. He'll be at two and a half next year, and right. the two and a half is the group we just talked about, where only a handful of guys can't even make it, and he just fell. And so he has to get a lot better at an right. age where guys usually don't get better, right. whereas the guys that have six and a half years of control and have only played for one year, they can just sort of do what we think they're going to do, and they will move up 20 spots. And so those right. would be, that'd be the group, especially hitters, to look to. And so that would be Eloy, Verdugo, Riley, and Meadows. Those four, I would say at least three of those four will be like pretty comfortably in the 50. And I would probably bet, if I had to guess, that all four of them will. Yeah. Also on that list, Brian Reynolds got a lot of late uh, yeah. support that I wasn't quite expecting. And I took a close look. I was like, oh, how did I miss that guy? Yeah, I think that people, it's probably time for someone at the site to write about Brian Reynolds. You know, I think that... I think the reason that people aren't paying attention to him is that he's not, I think, currently on pace to be a qualified hitter. So uh, I think that's why. I think that he is just one of those dudes who is not sh- – like if you do a you know a rookie leaderboard and you keep your men plate appearances, isn't that right? Or maybe not. No, I'm full of it. I'm just full of it. Every time I go to a leaderboard and I think there's going to be 15 guys and there's eight, I just take the – uh, minimums and just put them at zero. I'm just like, G- give me everybody. Don't do that. Give me all the guys. Give me all of those guys. Yeah, he. I don't know why I thought that. Why did I think that? Uh, yeah, it's probably time for someone to write about Brian Reynolds. 147 WRC plus. Yeah, and he was. I remember I was talking to Eric on the phone because when we were going through like who should be 50th, and I was telling him like here's all the candidates. I mentioned Reynolds, and I go, yeah, I've never really liked this guy that much. And he, he kind of cuts me off and goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I saw him at Vanderbilt for a couple years. And sure. I think I was in the draft room the year when he got drafted. And then the lower minors are like, is this guy 50? I'm like, no. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. 
and like you have you guys have what you have a 45 on him right now i think he got a 50 right before he lost eligibility so it might have been like uh you know three or four weeks in the big leagues i think eric said he bumped sure. 50. which you know is, isn't necessarily the wrong way to do it I, no. I, he, he added that he thought we were still the high guys on him and i was like all right i guess i kept this from being correct but you know sure yeah god kylie yeah. get it together i would also say from the prospect list I mention, I mean, obviously, I think Jordan Alvarez, who we already talked about, I think if he yeah. keeps doing anything close to what he's doing, he'll just end up being, you know, next to where Alonzo is because they yeah. might not be that different now. Yeah, that seems right. But the fact that they were pretty different coming into the year, like sure. we get, you know, we got to see a little bit. Sure. Um, it's a, he's, he's one where we talked about this when we were figuring out his uh, spot. It's just like a timing thing. Yeah, if, we if did, the list if we was did, a month later, it would be very Right, if we did this exercise in August, he would definitely be on it, and he might be pretty high, but you're just sitting there, and you're like, but it's still only... <laughs> yeah, there have been guys that have done this, not this. StatCast-wise, but this per- no. performance, and then Yeah, the StatCast stuff is pretty compelling. It yeah, makes which is worry. why he moved up so... I mean, he's gone right. from, like, 120 to, like, 20 on the prospect list this year. Yeah, we... And if he could play a position, he'd probably go full Juan Soto. And well, and that's 10. the... Right, and that's the other thing. It's like, he's just a DH... Yeah, we have him right now at 25. And you we're actually... A, um, you have an up arrow on him. Oh, yeah. That arrow is up. And I'll, I will also say we uh, we have commissioned an article looking into his big league stat cast and comparing it to other recent call-ups to see, like, if we're off. Uh, because once we, you know, once we moved him up, then, like, people are like, yeah, you got him about the right spot, whatever. Uh, we were just like, we need a little more info on this one. Like, sure. We just feel like we're a little... We, we don't have as much information as we'd like to have. Sure. Yeah, a couple more of these prospects. You can kind of pick whichever ones you want. Like, they're obviously in, like, an updated order. So, like, uh, the funny thing that I found, which this may be another another thing to look at, because you, you can go through the tops of all these different groups and be like, yeah, Giolito is, like, the top young star right. not on. If he doesn't get hurt, like, he'll probably be on. Probably true. Right. Like, I could basically try to make next year's list right now and probably, you know, half of the moves I could probably guess. Sure. Which is not to say that I'm some genius or that I can tell what executives are going to do, but this is, like, somewhat predictable. Right. Um, so the thing that I found interesting was, so there were a couple guys that when I sent around a list and had you on Alvarez just at like, you know, 90 or whatever, like just sort of tacked on the end. It's like, oh, this guy will be on the honorable mentions, but not really in contention for the top 50. And so guys are like, oh, he's too low. And I then realized this is something I had said, I think to you and to Eric and maybe to everybody. I don't know. I said it to somebody. I've lost track of who I'm talking to. I'm old. You've been busy. Well, when, when I started doing like the, the, the little like, uh, you know, war, uh, years of control and money. By the way, that's uh, Scout chewing on a bone. That's what that sounds coming from. Um, yeah, I figured. Sorry, Dylan. <laughs> you can do like a little bit of a you know quick and dirty, like oh, it's you know sixty million dollars for eighteen war, and it's this much control, and you're just like, oh, okay, let me just see if anybody has numbers like that. You can just kind of group them all together. I found that the top, I don't know, twenty or twenty five prospects. They should technically all be in like the top 70, which obviously like it wouldn't be a top 70 right. anymore. It'd be like a top 90 or whatever. But like once you get to the guys that are at the bottom, the big leaguers, especially the guys with like shorter control that are at like the bottom of the honorable mention groups, those guys are like could not get any of the top 40 or 50 prospects in baseball. So technically like the honorable mention should be a lot longer, which is something I pointed right. out. But of course, we're assuming people aren't reading the intro. They're probably not reading like the the nitty gritty well, in the in the sections. And there com- there comes a point in an exercise like this where it's like you make some choices. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and <laughs> what we chose to do is like here's seven guys and then here's three more that are actually in the big leagues which are still prospects and then you can just right. you can guess the like rest. you may make some choices here. Like cuz if you include everyone it's 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 not a list. 
really. I mean, it is a list, but it's not a list in the way that we mean it to be one, right? They're not, that's not, we're not doing anything. Yeah. And there, there's also an argument to be made that the top 10 prospects in baseball should all be in the top 50. Sure. Because, you know, is uh, Carlos Correa for two and a half years going to get you Joe Adele? And I'm like, well, it depends on the team. That's another thing you see in the comments. It's like, oh, the Angels would never do this. And I'm like, I specifically addressed this in the intro. You can't say the team that has the player because the team that has right. the player feels differently about him than the other 29 teams do. You have to take that right. part out of it. Right. But yeah, you could argue that all of those like top 10 prospects, like, oh, it's six and a half years of Bo Bichette or two and a half Corey Seager. It's like, well, it could be possible that Bo Bichette's better than Corey Seager next year. And so it looks super silly that he's not on the list. Right. But then at some point it's like, well, do you want this list to be 30 good big leaguers? And then here's the top of our prospect list. Like that doesn't seem right. very right. compelling. Yeah. And then also Wander Franco got moved down 10 spots from where I think he belongs. So maybe everyone would just move those guys off the list anyway. So all that to say, Jordan Alvarez was just kind of thrown on there so that he was on there and he was down too low. And then I realized like, oh, he's one of those top 20 or 30 prospects. They should all be in the top 70. Right. And so these guys at the bottom of these groups are like, I don't know if maybe they shouldn't be on there. But then at some point it's like Michael Conforto should probably be mentioned and the reason he's not on there is because you don't trust my dad. It's a real reason. Was he was he trying to sneak on Conforto or Rizzo to up the? No, the reason that Jordan's not on there is because you don't trust my father. Oh think he's yeah, a, he think he's a joke. I mean, I wouldn't say we got kind face. of a weird. We got kind of a weird vibe on the pod today, but I think it's mostly working. I think it's mostly okay. We've got a we got a whiny dog. Oh <laughs> well, you know we've she's nervous issues. about cats. <laughs> Yeah, she's really heated about cats. She's, she's nervous just like, I'm about so mad stuff. about the. About, it's, it, this is worse than the Sonic the Hedgehog stuff, and she was mad then. I mean, I think the real winners of the Cats trailer are dogs. I think that's what this shows. It's just all the good dogs. That's what it shows. I had a couple more notes on the trade value list, but it, oh no, it please seems go like ahead. A, well, no, no. I was, all right. So the other the other Fine, thing talk is, about baseball on our baseball <laughs> podcast. How dare uh, you? What about what about a uh, rose spritzer? Can that be the next topic after this? Sure. Um, so the last thing was, uh, I mentioned a good bit, and I think Dave has mentioned this before, so like, it's not a novel thought, that the value of the ace pitcher, so it's like if this guy goes on, you know, 28 or 30 of the 30 teams, that he will be slotted in as the game one starter. So right. in some playoff series, he might pitch three times, in the short ones, he's going to pitch twice. And so in the playoffs, his value, I guess, technically doubles i don't know if that's actually how the how the war works out but it's, it's sure. much higher 50 percent higher at right. least. i don't know somebody can do the math and tell us what it is i'm sure no one will don't worry about it but so once you get to that one of the top 10 or 12 pitchers in baseball the odds that he would slot in to be anyone's number one in the playoffs is then very high like right. i'd say well over 50 percent at that point obviously so then the next 20 pitchers might be of like close value but then at some point it's like well is this guy really going to slot in and do that? He might be the game three starter for the Dodgers. And so, you know, this guy doesn't have that extra sort of, you know, playoff, whatever. He might actually be in the bullpen and he'll have some value there, but it's about the same as he would have in the regular season as a starter. All that to say, so I was on the lookout for who is the next possible Walker Bueller, who luckily I got enough advice late last year to add to the end of the list. I think he was 40th last year. And he was actually one of the guys that got the most uh, negative comments <laughs> in hmm. the comments. Like, oh, this guy's only throwing like 70 innings in the big leagues. And he was like 30th on the prospect list. And what are you guys doing? And I'm just like, eh, you get to trust me on this one. People seem to like this guy. And then he was, uh, you can read his like blurb in the in the series. But like his performance over the last 12 months has been like really good. Yeah. Like basically as good as you can do as a pitcher. Yep. So my thought was who are, there's not like an obvious one. There's not a Bueller that snuck on. Who is the guy who could be Bueller? Like has the potential to be like that everything is plus and he throws strikes. And even if he's had TJ, it doesn't matter. And he might be able to throw a bunch of innings. 
And the two guys that came to mind were Nate Pearson, who I think Eric and I have podcasted where I'm the higher guy on him, but we will be in the same spot if he can basically stay healthy and pitch a lot the rest of the year. Yes. He basically is like the 6'5", 230, hasn't had TJ version of Bueller if he can keep doing what he's doing. So we'll sure. see. The other one is Michael Kopech, who we, I would say, I don't think we were the low ones on. I was definitely skeptical of him going all the way back to seeing him as like an underclassman in high school. And I was just like, eh, long arm action, not a fan. And then he basically hit a hundred in high school right before he was drafted, shortened the arm action, still don't have command. And then right around like triple A slash his big league, uh, taste last year, it was like, oh, Wait, right. now he's throwing 100, and the breaking and ball's ridiculous, and, and he's, he's throwing st- strikes. Right, and he stopped walking the entire planet. Like, this is why you take chances on guys like this, because sure. one out of 20 of them takes this development path, and, and then, then he like, blew it. That's, yeah, that was a bummer. We were so excited when he came up and was throwing strikes, and then he got hurt. And I don't know what the odds are, but if he comes back and basically just picks up where he left off like nothing happened... Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, Jose Fernandez did that. Like, this has happened before with really good right. young pitchers that blow out. Then he will definitely – I mean, he'll go ahead of Soroka and probably ahead of Woodruff. And sure. if he had thrown, you know, 60 healthy innings and, again, like, Bueller would have a TJ, which that won't happen, I guess. Basically, for next year's list, he probably will have thrown 60 innings by then. So then we'll right. know, is he that good? But I think – I mean, there's obviously other guys that have the potential to do it. But Kopik and Pearson are the two that have a very clear road that if they just basically go do what Bueller did over the last 12 months, like they will shoot up the list because that's exactly what everyone's looking for. Sure. They just need to see, I mean, they need to see Kopik get on the mound and see what it looks like. Yeah. And they need Pearson to just sort of prove it. Whereas Bueller had already had, I don't know, like 10 starts in the big league. So like he had yep. proven enough that he, he had earned the spot. But those guys, I think both are in similar position. Sure. I'm conscious of the fact that we have been going for an hour. So I'm going to propose the following, which is that we save our spritzer talk for the next time you come on Fangraphs Audio, because I'm sure it will be before the conclusion of summer, although I will tell a secret to our listening audience, which is that I do not drink spritzers or spritzes seasonally. I just drink them all year round. Wow. Um, what so, a rebel. Yeah. A real icon for our times. Yeah. I I am here to be an icon and to warn people of the dangers of seeing cats sober. You're like the Beyonce of drinking, I think. No, (laughs) no, no, I am not. I saw, I'm not even the most impressive Megan right now. Come on. I saw a a tweet earlier. I do not remember who it was. And it said Taylor Swift and Beyonce both told their agents, get me in cats. (laughs) One of them's in the Lion King. And one is a literal cat. (laughs) One is a literal cat. It made me laugh a lot. I should probably go back and see who said that. <laughs> yeah, that that tweet was a good tweet. It's hard to keep up with all the good cats tweets. You know, we are so sassy about cats. You're like, why did I come on this podcast today, Meg? You are the worst. Uh, we're so sassy about it, and by we I mean Twitter, as if Twitter is not going to have the best time just ever. I, I do like the the sort of vibe that I'm getting in my timeline is uh, the world is on fire. Let's pay attention to the fire, but not too much. We're over here making jokes. The vibe on my timeline is I'm going to take edibles and see this on opening day. <laughs> <laughs> it's only about about cats. Like that, that was the implication is they're not yes. talking about other movies also. 
Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, just cats. <laughs> well, it may also be, I think it may be instructive uh, for feedback from listeners. Uh, uh-huh. I cannot imagine anyone who is not related. Actually, no one related to me would get this far either. I can't imagine anyone would have gotten this far. But if you have, uh, we're in talks to possibly create a new podcast. I won't give anything more than that. No, we don't want to have this conversation yet. No, no, no. no. I think this is good. Uh, the title, though, will be Spritzer Talk. And I think oh, people are going to sure, want to yeah. listen to this. Yeah. Spritzes. Yeah, it's just going to be like a, a quick daily digest of like, Just you know, on spritzes. Yeah, what kind of spritzes I've been making or spritzers. Uh, yeah. What sort of different things I put them in, what sort of food to pair with them. Yeah. What's been, been the vibe on my Twitter timeline while I've been drinking my spritzes. Yeah. And then later we'll hear from David Appleman about like, how drunk are you during the day? And I'll be like, did you read the trade value rankings? Because <laughs> hey. it seems like very. You did very good work here. People should, I'm going to use this as a way to segue on out of the weird dumpster fire that has become this podcast although still better than the cats trailer uh people should go check out the trade value series which is up in full at fangraphs you either are about to or have chatted uh on this friday so uh people should go look at that because you will answer their very snarky questions about why their favorite player is not number one. Oh, oh my god look in that dumpster it's on fire and it's oh, kylie and meg with mics and a bunch of cat people What's going cats. on in there? What's going? I don't. I don't just. I like cats. I've come around on cats. I used to be like kind of skeptical of them because I got scratched badly one time. But I I know some very good cats now. So. I, I'm essentially neutral, but because I like dogs so much, it's essentially I'm out. I think I've realized that I love dogs, but dogs might be sliding into a category very akin to babies for me, where I want everyone I know to have them so that I can enjoy them and then give them back. Yeah, I've... Uh... Whereas cats are just a lot lower maintenance because most of the time they're like, hey, f- you, I'm a cat. They don't want to hang out. Dylan and I did another swear. Um, <laughs> Me and Scott so... have become that for my friends that like have jobs where they can't have dogs. And then I've noticed sure. my sister who has four kids has become that for me with kids. Sure. I'm just like, I'm going to show up to your house. When I'm tired of them, I'm going to leave. And then I don't have to deal with any of this stuff. Right. And These then like when the are... cute stuff happens, send me a picture or a video. And I'm like, I've, I've gotten the appropriate amount of kids in my life. And maybe that'll change at some point. But for now, I think I'm good. Right. Like these... Uh, children and dogs are up to date on their shots, both categories. They're vetted, and when they start doing weird stuff, you can just leave. So that's nice. And we will probably, I'm going to just commit to it, and then we have to do it. We will be engaged in some sort of polling exercise in the next day where people who are very angry or very happy, uh, as the case may be, about the trade value series. Oh, yeah, you're still doing that. Sorry can uh, share their opinions so that next year when we engage in this exercise we can do a little wisdom of crowds see see where our very smart readership ended up on stuff and i think that's all the things uh you're on twitter people should follow you there for you know various spritz opinions and also for your prospect thoughts you should also follow the fangrass prospect account because it does all the cool board updates uh people should just look at the board all the time just have it open in a tab all day every day we can actually sell you Fangraphs branded uh, the things that keep your eyes open from that one movie. Ling. Oh, are you talking about a Clockwork Orange? Boom. Nailed it. Gets us those clicks. <sighs> Boy, we promise not to engage in torture. Not and, if they pay uh, for it, then it's not torture. Oh, Kylie. I mean, you could argue it's what Facebook does. I'm really excited for Appleman's review of this episode. I'm excited for his thoughts. See what his notes are. But you're Kylie McDaniel, and you've come on Fangraphs Audio, and I say thank you for that, and we will have you back when you have accumulated enough pop culture thoughts to sprinkle them through your baseball content again, uh, which I imagine will be fairly soon. Uh, Thank you. 
thanks for hanging out. Come back soon. Okay, bye. I'm going to start recording now. <laughs>